0: Welcome to Texans in the Know. We're glad to be back with you. It has been a while. It's been a while, and uh, (laughs) we've taken a few weeks off, I guess you'd say, from time to time. Enjoy the holidays with family. Hope you guys have had a wonderful holiday, a Merry Christmas, and we're looking forward to a new year of preparedness here in Lubbock, Texas. So today we have with us, we have uh, as our guest host, we have Lynn Cartwright, who's been a guest on our show before. Lynn, welcome to the show. Come thank over there. Yeah, to be there you here. go. Good to be here. <laughs> all right. And of course we have our regular co-host with us, Jared.
1: It's been a couple months.
0: It's <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah. good to be back. Good to be back. And it's, uh, you know, thank everybody for their emails this week asking if we were going to be back on the air this week. Telephone calls. I appreciate them all and the ones that called into the station. And so we appreciate all the support that we have out there amongst the listening population. You know, Having time to reflect on 2013, and now looking ahead to 2014, you know, one of the things that I see that's going on around us in this world is that we live in a world of difficulties that have a lot of challenges. And there seems to be a vacuum and a void of persevering leadership, of leadership that is courageous. And transformational leadership. When we look at the world today, we see such an acceleration and increase of natural disasters, whether they be earthquakes or tornadoes, fires, superstorms, tsunamis, volcanoes, you know, and the list just goes on when it comes to natural disasters. But what I see is everything on earth is being shaken from our institutions of, uh, you know, banking institutions, economic institutions that are both public and private, and from sacred to secular, it seems like everything is being shaken. Everything that we have leaned on is being shaken. Those systems that we have come to depend upon for our stability and normacy are being shaken. The economy... You know, go, our governments, both public and uh, federal, uh, you know, city, county, healthcare system is definitely being shaken now. But things that, that you don't understand are being shaken, like our food production worldwide, our energy and water. All those things are being shaken. All those systems are being shaken right now in this world that we have. And uh, my question to you is, do you ever look at the news and see these disasters, both natural and man-made, hitting different parts of our nation and the globe, and wonder what you and your family would do in this situation. Well, this is what this show is about today, folks, because we are starting, uh, coming up tomorrow, Sunday, the 5th, at 3.45 p.m., we're starting a series of preparedness classes at South Crest Baptist Church, Beginning at 3.45 PM in the afternoon. And we're going to be talking to you more about this as time goes on. We're going to be talking about what this preparedness piece is going to be all about. But before we get into it and we bring our guests online that are with us today, we're going to play you a short promo about preparedness piece and that will introduce the guests that we have for you today. And so. It'll give you a background, something that uh, probably would take us a whole segment to cover, and we'll be able to cover this in a short period of time. So let me get this thing keyed up here, and we're ready to go. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Preparedness Piece.
2: This is what you've signed up for. Are you ready for this? My name is Scott McTiernan, and this is my wife, Kelly.
3: This course will create a basic foundation working towards a lifestyle of preparedness. We are motivators, teachers, experts, and fellow preppers. We want to create an urgency and also a confidence that you can do this. Our goal is to equip you to pursue home and family preparedness in the context of community. This is what makes Preparedness Piece different from reading a book or attending a one-day conference. Our primary focus of this course will be the importance of preparing not just for your family, but for others in mind as well, so you'll be ready and equipped to share the love of God in times of crisis. We hope this course provokes you to seek the Lord about who He is in crisis and to find your preparedness peace in Him.
4: This is in us. We are passionate about preparedness. We are passionate about provoking people to seek the Lord. We're passionate about relationship and equipping the Bride of Christ. My name is Canada Boland. My role in preparedness peace is essentially visionary and author through experience in disaster training response and consulting we recognize two keys necessary for accomplishing preparedness relationship and accountability we didn't need more information what we need is a way to actually do it to get prepared so we started praying assembled this awesome team of people and developed preparedness Peace. so you will be pleased with this course in the midst of disaster there is a great place of need and the invitation to encounter God. Every crisis, whether personal or national, is an opportunity for us to know God in a way that we have not before.
5: I'm Justin Boland, Canada's husband. I'm mainly behind the scenes working on the graphics and packaging for the materials in front of you today. We met for the first time in Haiti while serving in an earthquake that had hit their country on January 12, 2010. Ours is a story of beauty from ashes. I was leading our church's medical teams in responding to the earthquake. I love how God shows up in the midst of individual crisis as well as national disasters. He is near the broken and the hurting, and we have the opportunity to be as arms of love extended to the hurting in their greatest time of need.
2: The Lord has guided my steps through my life that has given me the decades of practical experience in many areas that have directly helped me to understand and be prepared for crisis and emergencies he has also blessed me with a love to teach others that's why i'm here i want to share with you the peace that being personally prepared brings so that you then can share it with others
3: and i'm a mother and a grandmother and i've been blessed with a gift of hospitality once we began our own preparedness journey, I guess you could say that my instincts kicked in and I became very passionate about making sure that my family, my children and grandchildren, my friends and neighbors understood the basics of getting prepared and having resources available to them to do so.
2: Canada mentioned this a little, but the reason we have established a six week course is because many recognize the need to be prepared but have no idea where to start have difficulty in following through or they don't even know they need to be prepared. This is why we commend you for making the commitment to complete this six session preparedness peace course and establish your foundation for three days, three weeks, three months, or years of preparation.
4: Another need we recognized was the need for relationship. Relationship is key to truly being prepared. This course encourages building relationships Relationships with the Lord, with a small, committed preparedness community, and ultimately extending relationship into your neighborhood.
5: The great commandment states, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. With the same urgency and significance that it is to ready oneself, we should love our neighbors that much to prepare them for the days to come. Telling them is the start, resourcing for them is the means.
3: The Lord speaks to His people. The Lord will instruct and lead and comfort and bring revelation in the coming weeks. Have great expectation and ears to hear while you're doing this course. There are so many passages in scripture that show how detailed and determined the Lord is to prepare His people for the days to come. He's personal, He's relational, He's specific, and He knows much more than us. So we encourage you, trust and obey his voice as you begin this journey towards your preparedness lifestyle.
0: Okay, folks, and that was an introduction of what we're going to be talking about today. So guys, get back around by the mics and we will uh, bring on our guest. We have, you heard a little introduction there. We have Kenneth Bolin with us today and we have Scott and Kelly McTierman Justin Boland couldn't be with us. He is actually teaching a course this morning, my understanding is. So, Kennedy, Scott, Kelly, welcome to Texans in the Know.
6: The whole lot, Ben. And, and Lynn and Jerry, I appreciate you inviting us on the uh, program today. Uh, it's going to be fun to kind of share and uh, get uh, re-upped on this and introduce to Lubbock, Texas, some of the preparedness that we have.
0: Well, guys, that's great, and that's what we're looking for. Where do we want to start? Do y'all, I mean, uh, we we played the uh, introduction there, kind of introduced you, told them what it's all about, but, you know, how would you guys get started in this? I mean, what are you seeing amongst the churches and faith-based community that, I guess, led you to put together this Preparedness Peace Program? Well, I
6: think initially, we're going to go back even just a little further than that, it happened in, in crisis. And um, uh, I'm going to have Canada share with you a little bit about how we were doing trainings for uh, this uh, international crisis response group that uh, we got a lot of experience in seeing how people weren't prepared in the crisis, visiting crisis, to try to help them. Then, to even further back that up, we saw how the people that were responding to the crisis weren't even prepared to leave their own homes, which wasn't in crisis, to go and, and work on a crisis. So together with, uh, with that was the beginning of it. And uh, Canada was a real catalyst in coming up with the idea on it, and also in the organization of it. It has been great to come alongside with her to help really put this together. And so uh, Canada, tell us about uh, uh, crisis response and uh, how we did get started with
7: that. Right. Well, um, we did. We all worked with Crisis Response International, which I would encourage anybody to check out. It's C-R-I-O-U-T dot com. Um, But we had all worked together there, um, primarily training people to respond to disasters. And then Scott and I and Kelly, actually we all deployed to Haiti, when the Haiti earthquake happened in 2010 and 2010, and just from that place and other responses, realized the great need for preparedness. We had always taught preparedness as part of our disaster response training, but personally I was never even convicted about it or motivated to prepare. I was all about training people to respond and not prepared at all myself until through the context of disaster, realized how much of an impact personal preparedness has on the overall scope of crisis and the opportunity that we have as believers to minister, to share, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the context of crisis, especially when we're prepared. And I know that recently you guys have had um, Stephen from Austin Disaster Relief Network that's another major key piece in actually creating preparedness piece because I was doing consulting with ADRN and recognized they had this incredible calling in the city of Austin and beyond. But the key thing that we saw that they were lacking was the personal, individual preparedness of all of their constituents. And so Daniel asked me to find a way to meet that need, and as I started praying about it and asking the Lord about it, this is what we came up with. <laughs> so Preparedness Peace was actually handcrafted for ADRN and then ex- expanded to be used by any region. Um, so we owe great uh, gratitude and thankfulness towards ADRN for helping this become a reality and a tool that can... Help build relationships,
0: facilitate prayer, and get people
7: personally prepared. So. Well, man, that's, that's how preparedness came to
0: be. Well, you know, that's great. Tell you about our, our uh, journey here at the station and here in Lubbock. Uh, we had Dr. Paul Williams, I know the uh, MD, who I know y'all are very familiar with as a guest on the show. And during the time that he was a guest on the show, he talked about his work with ADRN. That's how we got in touch with ADRN and uh, Daniel Geraci and, and uh, Stephen there, Brewer. And then from that, they were telling us about this preparedness peace program that they were using to help train the churches that were coming on board with them. And that's how we got in touch with you. Lynn Cartwright took an interest in this, wanted to see this happen here in Lubbock. He took it to his leadership at South Crest Baptist. They said, sure, as long as it's situated around a Christ-centered approach to preparedness and not just survival. And so Lynn took the bulls by the horn, uh, got your course, and we're fixing to start it tomorrow, which is wonderful, <laughs> you know. And so that's that's how we came to this road also with you guys. And so we just appreciate well, uh, go go ahead, Kendall.
7: I, was, I just said, thank you, Lynn, because we're really excited. And of course, terribly biased, but really do believe that it's the best step-by-step plan to really help people achieve preparedness. And they get to do it in the context of relationship, which makes it more effective and enjoyable.
8: I had, uh, you know, being concerned about uh, preparedness, uh, personally and, and, uh, Looking at, at different things, but it had always been sort of in the context of survival. And I, uh, my wife and I had talked to our pastor on a couple of occasions uh, about the need to prepare the church for, uh, ministry in times of disaster. And, and he was not cold to it, but it, it just didn't really click. And then I heard, uh, uh, the program here on the, on the radio about uh, preparedness peace and, uh, went back to him and said, I found a biblical based uh, preparedness program, and he said, great, that, that will fit, and we can do that. And so that's, uh, how we've, uh, uh, as, as Benny said, how we've come to this point uh, where we start the course, uh, tomorrow. And let me just say that, uh, it's, it's being held at Southcrest Baptist Church, but it is not, uh, exclusive for Southcrest. It's open to anyone of any church, any, anyone in the community that would like to come. Uh, so we're, it's it's wide open. Uh, Benny gave the time at 3:45, and uh, we just invite anyone who's uh, interested in in preparedness. And I think, uh, as you said, the the great thing, uh, a couple of great things. But one is you're not doing it by yourself. And and all of my uh, work up to this point uh, had had just been uh, had all of my work up to this point had been. Uh, doing it on my own, my wife and I, and so I'm I'm excited about the opportunity just to to do it in community with uh, other uh, uh, Christian uh, folks.
6: Boy, Lynn, that just hits the nail right on the head. Is the fact that that you, as an individual, have realized through your own efforts that this is really tough to do without community. And that's what this whole thing spurred on to is is the, is the preparedness piece is putting together groups to where you come together so that you're accountable, so that you don't get uh, uh, you know diverted in the wrong ways, not biblical ways that you that you really that you really are coming together as friends to prepare for this, and it just makes the, all the difference in the world. That's how you really create this from being just driven from a survival mode into more of a way of life.
0: Well, guys. We're right at a break, so we're going to have to take a quick break here. When we come out of this break, we're going to attempt to uh play one of your preparedness piece promos that you have, the one up on your website, to kind of give the people a little more introduction as to what preparedness piece is. That's the one with Doug Stringer, who, guys, I find to be an amazing fellow. I, I didn't know anything about him till I got to researching the preparedness piece program and saw him up there and stole I started listening to some uh, other things that he had done that are up on YouTube. That is a fascinating organization that you guys started with, and we'll talk about that on the other side of the first break here. So here we go to the break, and we'll be right back. Well, folks, we have the uh, the people that put together this preparedness peace program that we're going to start tomorrow at 3.45 p.m. at South Chris Baptist Church, which is located at the South Loop and Memphis Avenue. Uh, we're going to be meeting in the gymnasium there. And whether you have a a church affiliate or not, you are welcome to come to this preparedness piece. It is open to the entire community regardless of whether you uh, belong to a church or don't belong to a church. So don't let that stop you from coming. This is a citywide emphasis that we're having here. You've heard us, uh, if you've listened to this show for a a very long time, uh, we talk about this emphasis every week about being prepared and why we need to be prepared. And so I'm going to take it right back to the guest. I have a question for you that somebody has emailed in earlier, and that is, why the emphasis on the faith-based community? Anybody like to tackle that one? All
7: right. I would love to. Um, well, specifically from experience, in responding to crisis. But also, I mean, if you think about your own personal experience and any crisis you've experienced personally, whether small or really significant, every place of crisis is an invitation to encounter God. And we have that choice in the place of crisis to either turn towards Him or to turn away from Him. And as we, the body of Christ, are equipped and prepared to serve others, in times of crisis, instead of, like, scrambling around for our own goods and our own self. If we're already prepared, then we have the opportunity to love on other people, to serve them, and to bless them in the name of Jesus at that time when people are saying, where is God? How could he do this? Why is this happening? And we, we don't necessarily have to answer all those questions, but just being present and Serving and praying and carrying the spirit of Jesus into that place changes things. And we've seen so many testimonies of people coming to know Jesus or being healed or, I mean, like major life changes because they encounter Christ in the context of crisis. So that is why, that's my primary motivation for wanting to help people get prepared.
0: All right, anybody else want to chime in on that? Uh, Lynn, you want to say something about that? I do. Uh,
8: A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were cleaning out some uh, old uh, storage boxes, and uh, I I came across a little booklet uh, written by Charles Stanley uh, in 2005 just following that uh, great uh, tsunami that hit uh, the uh, island of uh, Sumatra in Indonesia on uh, December 26th of 2004 and in that little booklet he probably preached a sermon and, and this is probably the text of the sermon i don't i don't know that for sure but uh he starts out uh by asking uh that it's okay for us to ask why in times of disaster uh you know where was god when this happened why did god allow this to happen and those kind of questions that we that are just normal and he says that uh you know asking those kind of questions uh we we can go back to when jesus was on the cross he said uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So asking why is, is okay. And, uh, he goes on and, and, uh, uh, explains in the booklet that, uh, about how God is, is present in, in times of crisis. God is still in control. Uh, no matter what the circumstances are and what's going on, uh, we, we know that God is sovereign and that God is in control. And, and he gives, uh, uh, eight points. And then, uh, toward the end of the, of the little booklet, uh, he says, and I'm reading from the from the book, that while any tragedy like the, uh, this one confounds us, it certainly serves the purpose of getting our attention. If we're open to God, He will use the situation for a good purpose in our lives. In other words, the question to ask about calamity is not why, but where, rather, what is God trying to teach me uh, during this time? And uh, it says, in times of hardship, the ultimate question God poses to us is, are you ready?
0: There you go. Well, go ahead.
7: Lynn, I was actually standing on the shore of an island in southern Thailand when that tsunami happened. And that was my first encounter with the Lord as far as who he is in crisis. And right away, um, he spoke Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 55. And that has literally marked me. It's actually my story is in the preparedness piece book. Um, but it has marked me with his invitation. Isaiah 55 is about the invitation to the thirsty and how he is the one that truly satisfies, and especially in crisis, when everything else that we rely on is shaken or even destroyed, that he alone satisfies. And so I can relate with that story you shared.
0: Well, we know from watching history that in times of crisis, people come to the church for help. And if the church, if the faith-based community is not ready to help, that's a crisis in itself. Jared, you got something you want to add?
1: Well, I mean, that's that's Christ's model in the scripture. He always met the physical needs of the people first, and then he offered them the spiritual things that were actually more important. But that's what I don't understand about a lot of people that, spit at this idea is that as a church body having physical preparations is a testimony to our faith because you know every time we feed somebody or close somebody in that time of crisis you know we're doing that for christ and we're showing the love of christ to them and so i think it's incredibly selfish for people to only set aside preparations for themselves or to believe that um only through faith or is jesus just going to save them I, I don't understand why why it is we don't think about those around us that are going to need that love of Christ as well, you know, and one of the best ways to get to them is to offer them you know the things that they need physically in that moment. it makes them far more receptive to the gospel, and you become much more effective in your ministry and and, and that's one of the reasons why I love this program and, and programs like it because they are far more effective than anything else out there as far as the spiritual implications are concerned
0: well that's right, and so that brings us to a question. What makes this course effective? Now we've heard about what the course is about and everything, but what makes it effective? Scott, I think you're fixing to chime in. What'd you say? I was saying, uh, you know, what makes this course effective? Now we've heard about well, I, it. Oh, go ahead. The effectiveness,
6: the, the effectiveness of this, I'm sorry, we're kind of jumping all over each other here, but, but the effectiveness of this course is, is we put the one, two, threes together in order to and show an easy way of getting this preparedness done. That's the most effective part of this, is that it gives you an outline. It gives you a a 100%. It tells facilitators how to facilitate. It shows you with lists, and it shows you with experience just how to do this without having to try and reinvent the wheel, so to speak. And that's its real strength. That's its real core, is that everybody kind of has an idea we need to prepare Whether it's secular, whether it's in the church, wherever it is, we all feel that. But we have a hard time really getting it done. And this is where the rubber meets the road, right here. Is that you get involved with this, it shows you the list, it puts you through the easy stuff, which is, which is for me was the stuff was, was the gear. You know, all the things in my pack. And the grab and go and everything and that was easy to put together. I loved doing that what was hard was the documents and all the things that I needed to have prepared for the for my for my family and for my friends and where I was going to go and how I was going to do things and so it got me over those things that were really difficult to do as well as share the enthusiasm with others that didn't necessarily have the like of gear or or, or the pack, so that's where the strength is in this course, is coming together, having it organized, and, and really, you don't even have to think. You just go through this first part, and what it will do is, by successfully going through all this, all this six weeks of course, you'll have the individual thoughts to put your own together, the exterior stuff that you need to have later on for more extensive types of uh, preparedness. Does that make sense?
0: That makes great sense, and I I really appreciate that, uh, Scott, what you said there. the The thing that we have found to be the the most hindrance is uh, because here in Lubbock, Texas, or out here in West Texas, we have been so shielded from the rest of the economic malaise that's been going on in the rest of the country. Scott, even up by you up there in, in Kansas City and or St. Louis, where you're at. There, there's a lot of things that the rest of the country has experienced that we have blessedly been shielded from here in West Texas. And so a lot of our people don't realize that uh, what's happening in the rest of the country will eventually begin to affect us here in Texas. And, and point in um, content there is that we now have state leaders. There's a fellow that's running for attorney general. His name is Barry Smitherman. And his whole campaign is based on Texas uh, getting ready to go it alone because he truly believes that the rest of the United States is going to collapse at some point in the future. And when you start hearing talk like that from people that are running from state office uh, and people that are in state leadership, it should raise an awareness or a warning flag Uh, to us that, you know, we need to prepare to go it alone, too, just in case in times of disaster nobody else is there to come and help us. And I think that's the whole purpose of preparedness piece and of the uh, ADRN, uh, the Austin Disaster Relief Network, is so that in case the federal government is no longer there, like Mr. Smitherman is, is alluding to here, we can still take care of our population during times of disaster would y'all agree or disagree with that
6: oh, oh man I, I agree 100% but what i don't want to do is i don't want to escalate this thing into national crisis what if you get a flu bug in your house and your dad or your or the provider in the flu it, it, what if what if he can't bring home the paycheck that week what if what if you have just a little tornado that whips through and just takes out just a little bit of your power, and you're four days without a power. We don't have to go to a national type of, of breakdown on this, on, on the, on the conspiracy-type theories. We don't even have to go that far to really start preparing. If people would get in their heart that we have just lost in this last generation this even idea of canning or having a little bit of extra food in the pantry just for uh, the rainy day kind of uh, uh, feeling. It's, it's, we could get back to that level and think about the practicality of just having three days worth of provision to be able to, to, uh, make it through that. We would then get the real idea of this problem that is, 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 is you know, it's huge. It's, it, it really is. So I'm, I'm really trying to hone back into the fact that, okay, fine, you don't have to believe in a conspiracy type theory, but do you believe that in Lubbock that you might get a tornado? Hey, um, this might be a good
9: time, uh, Benny and Lynn and Jerry, to interject a, a little story kind of along the lines that supports what Scott's saying there. That is that um, Scott and I belong to a, a small group, um, a preparedness small group that we actually um, formed um, as a result of watching a, a silly television program that was only out for a year and a half called Jericho. Um, a bunch of us as friends got together on Sunday nights for a couple hours, you know, ate snacks and watch the program, and we're so convicted as believers at the end of it that um, of the necessity to be ready to support each other as neighbors in the event that something catastrophic happened. So that's really what birthed our preparedness group, uh, our small group, which has been going strong now for a little over five years. Um, and we take it really seriously, and so um Early on in the season, we decided it would be fun to kind of practice and exercise some of the things that um, we had actually been preparing for. And everybody in our small group had bought generators, and so we thought it would be fun to um, actually practice—you know, twenty-four hour period of not having any power and using the generators in our in our homes and and just you know exercise that muscle. And so we um, invited a friend outside of the group to um, at his at his. Uh, choice and, you know, randomly send a text to um, the leader of our group and at, stating that there was um, a power outage. And then we all agreed that when we got that text, we would treat it like a real power outage and we would all shut power off in our house and and pretend like we didn't have power and be relying on our generators for the week.
6: Boy, did we get ambushed. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs>
9: For four days, I think it was four days after we had all, as a group in our small group meeting, decided that we were given this power over to this outsider to do this, we here in Kansas City experience a microburst, and I can't really explain what that is, but it's a, it's a, a very powerful, powerful, um, kind of like a downward tornado um, type storm. And right here in the vicinity of the International House of Prayer, um, probably a couple mile radius. Many, many homes and, and trees were uprooted. Homes were smashed because of um, trees, and power lines were down all over the place. So we all of a sudden had a very real power outage um, for not just a 24-hour period, but for seven days. So what we wanted to do was just, you know, practice using our generators. Turned into a very much real-life necessity of having to survive. Um, off of our our uh, power generators, and it was very, very interesting, all the other things that we learned that we weren't prepared for, for a very real local crisis that had nothing to do with a government breakdown or an EMP or a terrorist attack, but it was a very real act of God that caused us to very much need um, our generators besides everything else that we
6: needed. So. Well, it was really funny because the Lord so set it up. Especially for this, I mean, that was, that was a big part of the motivator in really understanding this urban lifestyle type of preparedness was that you could drive 12 blocks and get a Starbucks coffee. But we kept it to, well, there were a couple that didn't actually stick to the rules and they went out and got their coffee. So we set, so we stuck to the rules that we set up as this practice. And, oh, my goodness, did we learn a lot about it. And it was just good practice. So that just kind of falls back on And really, Ben, I just want to hit hard on the fact that we don't need to be preparing for an EMP. Not if you haven't got a good basic plan already in place. Let's let that happen naturally as people work through a six-week course with all the information, getting all the lists, because we really do break down. Um, you know all the different areas that need to be prepared in. You know as you go through this course, you're gonna you're gonna put together family plans and documents. You know a, a comprehensive list. And, uh, you're gonna have evacuation plans and emergency contact information. How are you gonna get your kid out of school or how is somebody else gonna get your kid out of school if you do need to, if you do need to, uh, get into an emergency situation? And I'm not gonna use all the time, I'm not gonna use this as, and I really don't even wanna interject the word survival. I just wanna talk about preparedness. Survival is something that does Individualize you. But, so the need there to, to stay away from that word, just because it gives, gives everybody the wrong idea. Food. I mean, we've got lists in this, in this resource. We've got purchasing plans, we've got recipes, we've got storage, we've got rotation, uh, details. Uh, food is important. Water is even more important. I mean, we talk about water and the lack of not having any water. Now, Lubbock, I believe, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking of my geography courses here, is pretty dry.
2: It's very um, dry. Right?
6: Yeah, it's very dry. So in it so much as you might I just found a weakness I found an Achilles heel in Lubbock, Texas. And that would be your water source. Amen. What if that got tainted by any way? And you know how easy that could be tainted? I mean it's not hard to ruin a water supply. So if people got in their filtration and their purifications and even understanding of how to store water, that's in this course. Your medical. I mean, you know, what's going to fall to the wayside as quick as anything? You take something as minor as a broken leg, who's going to take care of that if hospitals are packed? And to start understanding locally how many people your hospital can actually accommodate in a time of, of disasters is enough for you to want to go try to be a doctor. I'm telling you, it is scary to look at these hospitals today that are just don't have the facilities to take care of Fifty or sixty uh, emergencies. I mean, regardless if it's a disaster and you had two, three hundred of them, that's a tough one. And We're going to talk about that medical, and what you might need for first aid instructions, and uh, you know, even natural remedies we talk about in this in this uh, preparedness piece. Energy. What are you going to do? You know, we're going to talk about that. We are talk about security. What to do with the uh, uh, with just the local rioting and and uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, the uh, Uh, Social chaos. Yeah, I mean, social unrest. Communication. We're going to talk about communication. How do you communicate amongst yourself if that little flat screen doesn't work anymore? If your phone is not in a service, how are we going to communicate? Communication right now could just break down our entire system quicker than anything, even in a small community. If you can't, I mean, I mean, I watch my kids. And we sit down to dinner, I've got to say something. I've got to say, please put your phones down, and let's talk. And we're texting each other at the table. And so it's like um, it's it's really something that we've got to be aware of, that if that was gone, just how are we going to communicate? And ministry. We're going to show you how to minister to others. The promise from the Lord. And we're going to learn to craft prayers into the actual preparedness So there are a lot of things that are going to be introduced to this um, in the course, from the course. It is a dynamite course, i got to say so myself.
0: (laughs) Well, we agree with you here that it is a dynamite course. And one of the things uh, that you've brought out, Scott and uh, Kelly and Canada, is the fact that once you begin to look at all the variables that we have, the skills, let's say, that We have lost from our forefathers. They used to know all these skills, and, uh, you know, through the modernization of society and everything and the ability to get up at 3 a.m. in the morning and go down to the grocery store or someplace and get a snack if we want to or uh, to run out daily and get something for uh, supper that night, we've become accustomed to that. And that's wonderful as long as it's working. But in a time of especially a natural disaster where you talked about a tornado or even a microburst, we have a lot of those out here in West Texas. Those things that we depend on for normalcy can go away in just a matter of seconds. And that's what we're talking about here. There are other things out there that could bring disaster. But the real disasters for us here in West Texas have nearly always been natural disasters. Whether it's an ice storm, a tornado, we were hit by a tornado back in the early seventies that did tremendous amount of destruction. Uh, we're overdue. We've been very blessed to uh, uh, be able to miss a lot of those natural disasters, but we're overdue. It's time. You know, you just can't keep dodging uh, these natural disasters from, you know, that we've gone in from time to time. And one of our frequent guests is a man by the name. Who, who has the website longrangeweather.com? His name is Cliff Harris. He is a biblically based weather forecaster, believe it or not. But from his research, he says we've entered into the most extreme weather pattern that the earth has experienced in over a thousand years. And it's going to be with absolutely us. Correct. And it's going yeah. And it's going to be with us for several years and the impact that it's having on the global food supply uh, because of drought, flooding, cold, hot, uh, is starting to take a toll. And these things are very real. They're not conspiracy. They are happening. And so these type of variables are the type of variables that your course looks at and helps you prepare for it. And I think that's just great. Uh, Scott, you you were trying to chime in there while I was talking about the weather. Well, I, I
6: was that you were mentioning that 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 is absolute truth i mean those kind of people that like the facts and that say well you know we haven't had this type of disaster here we haven't had these different things for one thing i say mercy on you because you you the lord is setting you up and i said well then why haven't you prepared yet if he's given you all this time he's given you the resource because the last thing you want to do is start preparing in the crisis yeah that's where hoarding starts that's where all the looting starts that's where all that 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 chaos starts is that people aren't prepared so they rush out to try to get all this different equipment that they need water that they need food that they need fuel that they need for their cars and that that is that is why if someone says to me says well we haven't experienced you know that kind of thing in my area i just say to them i say Hallelujah!
0: Then why haven't you taken the opportunity to pray prayer by now? Well, you're absolutely. Yeah, I- no, go ahead.
9: Go ahead, Kelly. No, you go ahead, Canada.
7: I was just saying, I think that's the benefit of coming together, even like you guys are doing tomorrow, and love it to come together and first of all walk out obedience to what God's been prompting in your heart, and also to realize how many other people are hearing the same thing, and that other people are preparing, and that you're not really crazy, and that it is really important, and so just gathering together with other people who have been thinking about it or even starting to move in it a little bit or are way down the road, it's so encouraging to gather with other people to learn and have combined resources and skills and experience and motivation and accountability, like this is why we gather together. To talk about preparedness, so I would definitely encourage everybody to at least come out tomorrow to
9: learn more about how to move forward. Lay me in. You know what? What I was going to um, just chime in with there um, to support what Scott was saying, and and just to charge um, us as you know, charge fellow believers um, as the body of Christ is that the Lord um, tells us in so many scriptures in the Word. I mean, that, and that's one of the things that's so awesome about the, the workbook of preparedness piece is that um, Canada has it packed full of awesome scriptures that are just really good um, meat along with everything. But there's two different proverbs, two proverbs, um, or it's mentioned twice in the book of Proverbs, the same uh, message. And it says, the prudent sees danger coming and hides himself, or in some versions it says prepares. But the simpleton go on and suffer the consequences. Or another version says, um, "sticks his head in the sand and suffers the consequences." So well, I always, I mean, and I know most of us do, um, take note when something is mentioned twice, and the the Lord, you know, makes it really clear that the prudent, which means those that are um, that have or are showing careful, good judgment, well, that in itself is such a um, a charge to us that we have all these signs around us, which we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes um, from natural, um, the potential of natural disasters to national um, crisis that could affect us in so many different ways. Those are such signs of danger coming. Now, whether they do or not is for only the Lord to know right now, but there are signs that he's giving us. And we're so grateful for the mercy that we have to prepare. And he says, it's wise. It's, it's a good thing for those of you who do prepare you know for this this sign that I'm giving you of danger that can come, and those who don't, which are many people in the body of Christ, choose not to it's a it's a um a very controversial subject actually, and I'm sure most of you have probably experienced it yourself with some that say, Oh well, you know, we'll just trust the Lord, the Lord will take care of us, we don't need to prepare. He'll provide everything we need. Well, we really feel like. Joseph was a very prudent man and he listened to the Lord and he, he, uh, saw the signs and he was obedient to prepare and put away. Not for himself, but for a whole nation. And that's what we feel like we have the charge as the body of Christ to get ready to reach out and be able to take care of a whole community, our neighborhood, our, you know, the, our cities. Uh, We want to be prepared like Joseph was so that when the crisis hits, whether it's a plague or whether it's an economical breakdown or whether it's a, you know, a a cyber attack, we want to be ready to reach our neighbors, our community, and our cities.
0: Well, boy, I I couldn't have said it better. Scott, you got something you want to chime in?
6: No, that was so good. I just gave her a high five because that was just exactly hitting it on the head again.
0: It It, sure was.
6: It it, uh, really is... uh, an awareness that we need to have as believers. And if you would, Ben, and, and as we talk along here, would you requote that question again? Because I didn't quite hear it clear when you said it, um, and that's why there was that little bit of dead air, because I was thinking about what it was a really good question, and I'd like to uh, just hear it again real quick, if you would.
0: Well, Was it about what makes this course effective?
6: No, excuse me. It was the one that uh, emailed in.
0: Oh, um, yeah, and I've already deleted it. I think.
6: Okay. <laughs> about,
9: um, why we Why we focus on a faith based audience? That one. That, that one.
0: one. <laughs> that one. Yes.
6: Okay. Well, and 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 because I thought about that, I thought, what an excellent question. Why are we? Why are we really going? Well, it's really simple, and Kelly just basically uh, explained it. Is that the charge is to those who should love their neighbor who should be doing this, and if any audience should be listening, it should be the faith-based audience. And it, it, I, I believe that that's where we've got to start to generate this. Then from the faith-based, we bring others to the Lord, those that are not necessarily uh, in the Lord right now. Uh, so that's that, that's good. I'm glad we got that cleared up on that. But I think that uh Kelly's message there of just having the charge, having the charge to believers is so necessary
0: well it, it, this has been our entire emphasis here with this radio show uh working closely with our merchant management personnel here in lubbock texas this has been their desire also we used to have a group called lubbock pairs that reached out that was reaching out to the faith based community trying to educate them on the need to prepare and from that group we started this radio show in conjunction with the uh, the owners here of the radio station who saw the same need our lack of and lack of emphasis that they felt like was uh, being carried out here so this is just a long time hope dream of ours to see something like this begin i know lynn has been part of that also and uh for him to take the bull by the horns and to get it started our prayer is that this will just spread across the city because it's going to be done not out of fear but out of a commitment to ministry during times of crisis and that i, I just believe that's what makes this program so unique you can go anywhere and get a preparedness program uh, that is more survival based than it is ministry based uh it's more you know i got my stuff and you try to come to get it you you you're going to be sorry for that but what we're talking about here is being prepared as individuals, as bodies of Christ, as communities, to be able to reach out and minister to those that are affected by a natural disaster and or man-made disaster. And I just commend you guys for putting all that together.
6: I think that I, I, you're absolutely right on that. And I was just thinking about how one of the common questions is, and, and, well, and let me tell you, Guys, that, that The questions that you get from audiences that we've talked to and different people are really challenging. And one of them is, well, then as, as, as a believer, does that mean if somebody walks up to your door, do you give everything away to them? That what you have stored is, is, that, uh, uh, is that just you give it all away? Well, in a sense, that's true. And that's how a lot of verses and a lot of things are, are, are written. But, but there is a way to plan this. And what we've done as a a small group is that we actually tied to our group a certain amount of food product that we're going to be able to give away. So in the plan, because we've done this long enough and enough years, in our plan, we've decided to be able to know how to give away what we would need to do and to be wise in that. Like, for instance, we certainly wouldn't be asking strangers to come into our own home. And eat dinner with us, but we would be able to provide an area away from our homes, away from our our storage away from uh what we have to be able to provide meals outside um so so we're keeping our family safe, which is a you know our number one call and it's like really that that is important in some of these tough questions. that makes
0: sense That makes perfect sense, and that is a wonderful way to look at it. And, you know, we're going to have to slow down here and take our top-of-the-hour break. And when we come back from the break, we'll finish this. But if you have a question or comment, listener, uh, you can always call our listener line at 770-5328. You can email us at texansinthenow at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always reach me here in the broadcast booth at radio at net. So let's go ahead and take this break and when coming out of this break we're going to try to play that uh, video for for you again on the promo for preparing this piece and then we'll come back and we'll finish up the second hour of this show so stay right with us
5: of increasing
10: natural and man-made disasters my friends have developed one of the most practical simplified resources we have for getting people prepared physically and spiritually for crisis so that your family is ready and can be there for others when they need jesus the most I believe Preparedness
5: Peace is one of the most effective, practical resources we can use today. Preparedness Peace is a six-session home and family basic disaster equipping course designed to build a foundation for a lifestyle of preparedness. This course focuses on plans, supplies, people, and spiritual preparedness. Are you
11: ready? Are you ready?
4: What makes preparedness piece unique from other books or attending a conference is that you actually accomplish preparedness while building relationship with God and others. You can work through the materials on your own, but the great value of this course is found when the course is utilized in small groups. Gather some people, choose a leader, and go for it. By the end of the course, you will have an established, well-rounded foundation of the basics that you can build on as far as you wish to go.
2: It was very informative. Now, let's just quickly review here. We have our different steps. We have our grab bag and the stuff that we want in it. We move right out of that into stuff that we are going to have at home for three days. We move a little more into having three weeks to an extended type of food storage. Now, that is all determined on your budget and a lot of different things. We're not advocating that you have to go get a year's worth of supplies. Start here, work your way through the steps, and move right on up.
5: In six sessions, you will cultivate spiritual readiness, assemble your family plans and documents, create lighting and emergency plans for power outages, implement a food and water storage solution, make your grab-and-go bags, develop a home security and intruder de-escalation plan, and so much more.
4: While many people talk about the need to get prepared, preparedness piece, with its goals, accountability, and the aspect of pursuing preparedness together assures that you will actually do it. Get your preparedness piece today.
0: All right, folks, that was a promo preparedness piece, and uh, we're back live again. You got a question or comment about uh, anything that we've said today or about tomorrow, Uh, give us a call at area code 806-770-5328 and talk to the lovely hope. Or of course, you can email us at Know at gmail.com. So get your questions in and your comments. Lynn. let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen tomorrow afternoon at South Crest Baptist Church.
8: Okay. Tomorrow is really just a, an introduction, an overview. We will actually start uh, Session 1 on uh, the following Sunday on uh, January the 12th. So tomorrow afternoon, uh, Judge Tom Head is going to, to speak uh, about his vision for uh, Lubbock uh, Disaster Relief Network, uh, Clinton Thedford, who is, uh, the, uh, uh Emergency Management Coordinator and, and works uh, with, uh, Judge Head and, and Sheriff Rowe, uh, is going to, to speak about, uh, uh, a couple aspects of, of, of uh, of, preparedness. Uh, Canada had, uh, uh, I asked Canada about what we could do on, the, on this introductory session because we have no idea how many are going to come, so we, we're not prepared with, uh, with workbooks to do the first session. So that really gives us a, an opportunity to, to get a head count and, and get the materials uh, ordered in, in quantity. Uh, so she had uh, willingly uh, uh, sent me a, uh, an outline for tomorrow's afternoon's uh, uh, program, and we've included, as I mentioned, uh, Tom Head and Clinton Thedford, um uh, she, uh gave me some handouts so we wanted people to if they just come and get a, an idea of what the course is about even if they decide not to uh to come uh for the whole course so we wanted them to leave with some materials that would help them get started so tomorrow is is that overview time um give them an introduction to the to the course and hopefully everyone will will come back but in the event that they can't even if they can come for part of the the uh, of the uh, six-week course uh, we would invite them to do that uh, we have us uh, uh, set it up uh, t- as as an eight-week uh, course tomorrow being an introduction then the the six-week uh, sessions and then a final uh, get-together uh, uh, that would be I think the last Sunday in February and it's uh, where do we go from here and again we'll uh, uh, see if we can't uh, begin to, to build that community and, and, uh, and go forward, the, take the next step.
0: Well, absolutely. And that's why when you hear the promos, you hear about a six weeks course. We've just added a, another session at the beginning and at the end to make it an eight week course. But the, uh, the guts of the course will be taught in six weeks time and it, approximately two hours that's every right. Sunday afternoon. And it's set at a time so that anyone can come. At 345, you'll be out by 545. You'll still have time to get to your own church services that evening. We don't want to take anyone, anything away from anybody. If you're not affiliated with the church, you know, you're welcome to come. Uh, we encourage you to come and be a part of this community and learn why uh, we believe that as uh, the community of Lubbock, Texas, we can get prepared to the point. Uh, as individually and as congregation, as community, so that we can minister to anyone during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a house fire, apartment fire, a tornado, a natural disaster, a power grid failure, which we have experienced here in the last year and a half. Uh, that was uh, a pretty good test of your preps and during that time. Quite a few stories about that, but it is just getting back into a mindset, a uh, frame of mind to, once again, be like our forefathers, be like your grandparents were, or possibly if you're older like me, like you grew up with, with your mom and dad and the grandparents. Um, this was something that was just normal. Uh We didn't give a second thought. Uh You know, we lived out in the country, but the, the grid was always going down, even in times of a sandstorm. We could be without power for two or three days. And it was just normal to break out the candles or the lanterns and uh, have an alternative way to heat the house and, and get water out of the well and things like this. We didn't give it a second thought. We just prepared for it. But we've lost that. We've become domesticated, I guess you'd say, and we've lost those skills. And that's what we're talking about getting back to, just the skills to take care of you, yourself, your loved ones, your neighbors, your congregation, out to the community, and and we're just going to continue to build upon this as we move forward. And we start that tomorrow, Lynn. Let's go ahead and give the location how to get there at the time again. It's going to be in the gym, I think.
8: That's correct, Benny. It's at Southcrest Baptist Church, which is located on the South Loop, uh, at the corner of South Loop and Memphis. That's just uh, east of the Walmart and not those that string of restaurants and things along the, the South Loop there. And uh, our parking lot, uh uh butts up against uh ihop so it's real easy to find real convenient uh lots of parking and uh we're going to to be in the gym just uh, it, uh, the easiest place to park is on the probably the north side of the building up uh, uh that that uh faces the loop and uh, just come in any one of those doors and there'll be signs uh in the hallway there uh directing you to the gym. Uh, I wanted to say something about the the course structure. Uh I am the facilitator which means i push the play button on the dvd player <laughs> um <laughs> that that's all i'm qualified and i'm not really qualified to do that but i i've, I've got somebody's going to show me how to do that tomorrow there you but, go but uh uh but nevertheless uh the teaching is done by by this uh this group uh, with uh uh scott and kelly primarily doing the the instruction on the on the uh video uh, uh, on the video and and then uh, uh canada has done the, the bible uh study portion and there's homework uh each week and you need to keep up with that uh, that homework you don't want to start getting behind but uh, the first hour basically the first hour is is devoted to the teaching the second hour is small group and the small group will be uh, anywhere from 4 to 8 uh, persons and that's where you really get the work done that's where you you develop this relationship and the accountability and and uh, uh the, the skills that everyone brings to that group and uh, that's where the, uh, where the, the real benefit, uh, I think, uh, comes to, comes into play. Uh, so you're not, we, we keep coming back to you're not in this alone. Uh, you've got some, uh, some people that can support you in this. And I've been doing it alone for a long time and, and haven't got very far down that road. So, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so looking forward to community, uh, doing it as community and seeing people come together that way. Uh, Somebody was wanting to chime in there. Let me back off and let you do it. Go ahead.
7: I was saying, I mean, people are being invited into something so much greater than themselves. Like, yes, this is about personal preparedness, but this is about what God is doing in Lubbock. And so just that invitation to come and check it out tomorrow. You'll get to hear specific clips from the preparedness piece video. You'll get to link arms with other people in your community and also even experience the benefits of um, pursuing preparedness together. You'll discuss discussion questions based around pouring water and different types of food storage and you'll recognize so quickly how you yourself carry valuable experience or skills um, to offer to the group and how much you'll learn from other people in your small group. So tomorrow is just the time if you're interested at all. You should definitely just show up. Check it out. It's two hours of your time. If you can make it for the whole training, do. If you can't, you can purchase the book still and work through it on your own. Come occasionally. It's just so important to take those steps of obedience, especially if the Lord's been speaking about getting prepared. So I'm excited about what
0: God has for Lubbock, and excited for people to join in. Well, we are too. And, uh, you know, we just want to give a call out to, to the folks that are listening today. You know, call your pastors. Uh, call your neighbors. Come out and just, you know, we we challenge you to come out and just kick the tires and hear what your emergency management personnel are saying, what this course is going to be about, what it's not going to be about. I think you've heard the emphasis this course is to prepare you to minister during a time of crisis. You know, of course, it is to prepare you personally uh, to be able to take care of you and your loved ones, but to also be able to reach out in the name of Christ to minister to others. And that is what is so special about this course. So come out tomorrow, 345 p.m., Southcrest Baptist Church, which is located at the South Loop and Memphis Avenue. Ask anybody there that you see where the gym is. Pretty big building, but you can find your way through it all right. And uh, we'll get you directed to the right place at the right time.
8: Uh, tomorrow is free. Uh, in fact, the whole course is um, is is free, except for the the purchase of a workbook. And right. There's a there's a participant workbook, and uh, the cost for the participant workbook is thirty five dollars. And uh, uh, we will have those available then on the on the twelfth for uh, purchase. Uh, but tomorrow, it's uh, everything's um, uh, free for the for the taking.
0: So nobody's going to try to kidnap you and keep you there, and you know, just come and go.
6: I can't believe you guys. Th- that is such a gift to the body that you're doing this free. I mean, it is it is it's incredible. I we have in our research uh, bought different programs. We've bought all sorts of secular and all kinds of different books to read through and everything, and. I'll, I will scan a book on survival or on preparedness uh, just to find one little tidbit that I might have missed and what my thoughts were about certain areas, whether it be food or filtration or, or transportation or whatever it might be. And you guys are stepping up to be able to give away uh, this tomorrow to get people started. I just, uh, my hat's off to you. Bless you.
0: Well, then, that's a, a big thanks to the leadership at South Crest uh, Baptist Church. And we hope to see this being duplicated in all of our churches across the area. And then for everyone to come together under this umbrella of uh, prepared, being prepared to minister in a time of crisis so that we can put together a group like they have down in Austin, which has over 120 Austin-area churches, the liberal capital of Texas, uh, you know, has put t- this together and, and boy, if they can do it, certainly we, uh, surely we can do it out here in conservative side of Texas and where uh, people still refer to us as, as part of the Bible belt. And so that, that is our hope. That is our goal. And that's our prayer. So we thank you for those words, Scott. Lynn, anything else you want to chime in and say, Jared, about this? Uh, again, folks, we just invite you to come out, uh, pastors that are listening. I, I've asked, uh, uh, Scott or Ken, uh, Canada to talk to you specifically about what we're doing here and what we're not doing. So, Canada, would you like to speak to any of the pastors that may be listening today and why we, it would right. be good for them to do this at their congregation?
9: Well, we
7: discussed, excuse me, we discussed earlier the, uh, benefit of having the body of Christ be prepared to love others in their time of need, which everybody agrees with. And just especially in crisis, if we're prepared, we have a plan as a church or we have a plan as a neighborhood to be able to serve people, that's an incredible opportunity to share the love of Jesus. And so Preparedness Peace is a small group uh, Bible study focused on preparedness. It's totally based in Scripture. There's four days of devotionals that accompany each topic that we talk about. um, And then it also prepares people practically. And it's actually a lot of the feedback that I've gotten from uh, churches that have done this course is that it draws men and people who aren't typically those that attend a normal Bible study. Because this is very hands-on. It's got a lot of immediate application. in the practical, physical sense of life. And it also is really great about cultivating relationships both with God and with other people. So it's a really unique Bible study. would definitely call it a Bible study that's focused on preparedness. And so, I mean, if you ask me, it's like win-win. <laughs> um, and we've also found that the best thing to do is um, to just, There's somebody in every church that the Lord is speaking to about getting prepared. And those are the people that can run with it, that can help organize, you know, the small group or even just find those other people in your body who are interested in
9: preparedness. And that's where you start. And it goes from there. Canada, I just want to say what a great point that is. And, um, and just emphasize a little bit more for the pastors who are listening that, you know, are thinking, Oh, well, we don't have a, a very big congregation or, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't think that very many people in our church would be interested. It doesn't take a lot of people. A small group is a small group and it could be, you know, four, six, eight, ten, ten people. But once a group or a body of people get started in this, the, um, the passion for it, the enthusiasm of it is contagious. The, um, just the prudence of it in general is obvious to others, and it draws people in. It's like a small group of people become a magnet, and others start, it starts uh, piquing others' interest. You'll start getting questions from people that, you know, they may be those difficult questions of, um, you know, that stir up a little bit of controversy, but again, because of the content of the workbook um, and the scriptures that it's packed with, every individual can get so rooted in um, in the the Word of God as their foundation for why they're preparing practically, and then be able to share that with others that God's Word does what God's Word says it will do, and it will go forth and accomplish the purpose which He sent it for. And so, if we will just um, use those scriptures as the foundation for doing the practical part, the Lord will do the rest. But it just yeah. takes, you know, it just takes that little baby step. So. Pastors, if you've got a group of six people, go for it. Start it in your church and watch it grow, because it is um, the power of enthusiasm is very, very um, motivating, and I think you'll be really surprised how many other people will come on board after you get through your first week, six-week session.
0: Wow, that's great. And, you know, involved in agriculture, Lynn's involved in agriculture, um, most of his life, too, and I grew up on a farm and, and farmed most of my adult life. We're just seed sowers. <laughs> That's all we are. We can, uh, you know, we have a little bit of um, uh, success in helping prepare the ground to to receive the seed. But once that seed is put in the ground at the right depth and planted, it's totally up to God whether it sprouts or doesn't sprout and that's what we are here we're sowing seed we're trying to prepare the ground as best we can and sow the seed out there and then watch god take over because he does do that uh, he honors uh, his word he does he's not going to let his word go in vain or fall in vain but those that have ears to hear are going to come and then they're going to see the importance and the practicality of what we're talking about today. And so, guys, that's just great. Uh, Again, I tell you this, we're up against another break, so we're going to have to back out of here, folks, and take a short break. We'll come back with another short clip, hopefully, and then we'll get right back into this discussion. So uh, we'll see you back here in a couple of minutes.
11: Tonight we've got an incredible speaker that's going to be speaking tonight, and we are really blessed in the city of Austin to have this man of God in our city. Uh, Doug Stringer, I'm going to call you up. Doug Stringer, uh, I want to have him speak to you because I, I don't want you to leave because we're all probably a little bit tired. But I'm telling you what, if you don't get this message, you're missing a huge amount. This guy was recently called by the governor of Texas to lead the Psalm Assembly that's going to happen August 6th in Houston to pull it together for our nation. And uh Doug has been all around the world talking to presidents, uh leaders, spiritual leaders. He's recognized all around the world. I mean this guy's got I think I my schedule's busy. I call him, I said, How do you how do you handle it? <laughs> Try to give me some tips here. But uh um you know, we really are blessed to have him in town. He's also the founder of Somebody Cares International. They do disaster relief work just like us. And they're in Japan, they're in Joplin, they're all around. And, man, he's got a network that one day we hope to have in our own city that would be in comparison to what he has in the world. So let me give the mic over to Doug to talk to you for a minute.
10: Thanks, Daniel. Actually, we're just helping with the, uh, uh, the national mobilization out of Houston. They're going to have the solemn assembly in, in August the 6th at Reliance Stadium. But can you imagine, this is the first time before uh, since world, uh, the Civil War, that a leader, of, a government leader of that stature, regardless of what political party, would say, we need a divine intervention. And talk about the fact that there is literally an increase of uh, natural disasters and difficulties and economic downturns. And we're here because of that, because who knows what's down the pike as far as the acceleration of things and the continued escalation of, of crises, human and natural disasters. That's why it's important for us to be prepared. Uh, Luke 21 speaks of all the crises we're talking about, tsunamis, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, wars, and rumors of wars. In the midst of all that difficulty, Jesus himself says, but it will be an occasion for your testimony. See, Paul Romer, top U.S. economist, used to say, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And though he's talking about economics, the reality is we're talking about much more than that now and we are to be the light that shines in darkness. In the midst of difficulties, great triumphs come out of those difficulties. You saw Canada here a moment ago speaking, and, and uh, she was actually with Cry in Haiti working there, had the pleasure of working with them, and uh, and Justin, her husband, was with, uh, with uh, Antioch out of Waco. They were both in the field, both single, doing something for God, and look what great triumph came out of that tragedy they got married and she's going to have a baby and, and presenting and dis- developed this program for us on preparedness peace. So a lot of great things can come if God's people know how to be the human touch and the tangible expression of Christ's love in the midst of circumstances. And just in a 24-hour hour period before Joplin, we found there was, 20, in a 24-hour period, over 300 major tornadoes hit in a 24-hour period. We're talking about an escalation of things. But yet in the midst of that, God's people... I believe is the heart of any community, and if we're going to change the soul of a community or a nation, it takes the heart to be engaged and alive, to be God's uh, uh, place of hope and tangible expression in that community. So you're the heart. Let's change the soul of a nation. Amen.
0: All right, folks, you've just heard Doug Stringer, who is the uh, CEO and the lead of Somebody Cares, uh, internationally, our international. And this is a uh group that uh, I think Canada and Scott and Kelly and Justin have worked with and probably uh had a lot of emphasis on spurring them on to be doing what they're doing now. And so I just, you know, wish every one of you can go out there. And if you go to YouTube and just type in Doug Stringer and just listen to some of the things he says, I think you'll be inspired to come to Mar. To this meeting and see what else is going on, uh, because it is all about ministry. That is the main emphasis and not about survival. Guys, where do we want to go. We got, uh, we got two more sections left. We've got about 30 minutes left in the program.
6: Well, you know, we've kind of been, we've been kind of all over the gamut here as far as uh, talking about, uh, uh, different reasons why I think, you know, you boil it all down and, you are, or you guys, all of you, are putting together a uh, a, a free a free uh, consultation, a free conference, a free uh, uh, facility there to go and listen to some of this stuff to just get a tip. That and I just I think that is wonderful. I think it's great that that some people that are coming to this could walk away with a lot of information if they did nothing more than this first step. But it could also motivate them into becoming, getting a preparedness lifestyle. And the lifestyle is what we're trying to get back to. You talked about before, Ben, about we need to get back to like a generation ago. Well, I, I challenge this in a a thought process is that if only a generation ago we had, you know, canning food and we put away things, we had a different mentality about rather than this instant, instant, instant uh, type of uh, availability that we've got now. What is going to happen if we don't pick up the ball and start living a lifestyle of preparedness to our next generation? I mean, if we've got it instant now, what's going to happen in 20 years, 30 years? I mean, the, the thoughts are really provoking to the fact that we really need to share this with the next generation. We really need to share this with others, obviously. But our kids that are living and are right there at the table with us need to understand about this to carry on correctly, I believe, uh, in a preparedness uh, lifestyle. I, I think that's a challenge all in itself.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more, and I think everybody here would agree with you on that 100%. It It's just such a when – I, when I really stop and think about it, and, Scott, I, I know you'll probably agree with this too – When I really stop and think about how I grew up as a, you know, as a child and as a young person, uh, as a teenager, it was a gradual shift of away from being self-reliant to depending upon the, uh, services that our modern grocery stores brought us. Things like this that, that just kind of moved us away from that life of being prepared to oh, heck, it's it's too much trouble to garden anymore. It's cheaper to go to the store and get it. And it was. (laughs) But now it is to our detriment because those skills have been lost by most people. Would you agree or disagree?
6: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I can remember my mother having a tin can, a candle, and a blanket with us everywhere we went in the car. And, I mean, it was to to keep warm, have a little bit of light, and um, uh, in case we broke down. Oh, my gosh, most people don't even change their own tire anymore. They're totally relying on AAA. And they're talking about how, well, I've got AAA. I don't know how to Most kids, our kids do. Our kids know how to change their tire. But it's really important that we get this basic understanding of a little self-reliance not so that we survive, but so that we can help others. And that's the basic biblical sense of this whole program.
0: Well, that's right. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've come across over the years that have been broke down on the side of the road and, of course, I always pull over and, and offer help. Uh That's just part of who I am, who my parents taught me to be. And I've been surprised, just like you said, of uh, even men who had never changed a tire and to sit there and help them change their tire was a great teaching tool to them so you know you're absolutely right i'm just amazed at how far we've gotten away lynn you got something there
8: yeah along that same line uh yeah i've carried uh, jumper cables in my vehicles for for years and years and years and seldom do i need it but most of the time when i've used those it's been to help somebody else and that's just being prepared i uh, last time I was on the show, I, I related, uh, I spoke with a, uh, a tech student, um, uh, a, a young lady. She's a sophomore from uh, Fort Worth and happened to mention the uh, preparedness piece. And uh, I said, you know, uh, do you have a spare tire in your car? Uh, and she said, yeah. And I said, well, do you have the jack and the lug wrench to, to go along with that? And she said, well, I hope so. But yeah, you know, and it, it made me think, you know, I never check the air in my spare tire. There you go. What good would all of that be if I if I if I don't at least check the air in the tire? But yeah, you know, every time we talk about this, I think just the the threat of a of an ice storm here, or or uh, and the and the grocery store shelves are cleaned out of uh, of some of the basic uh, supplies. Just just with the threat, it doesn't have to happen. That's right. And I can imagine what it's like up in the Northeast right now uh people trying to get to a grocery store because they don't have anything and the grocery store doesn't have anything
0: i i re, speaking of that i read a story uh recently about what happened up in the uh, northeast you know, people were scrambling to buy things and get things well in this one grocery store there was a fight that broke out over the last loaf of bread for sale and the uh, co- police had to be called in it evidently was a big deal that's what we want to avoid uh when uh, we want to be prepared so that when something like this happens, we avoid going to the grocery store because we're prepared and to the point that we're not even worried about it. You know, if it happens, we got this, we can do this, this, we're, we're set up, we're, we're going and you have peace of mind. That's why it's called preparedness peace. Uh, so that when a threat comes, uh, natural, man-made, uh, you're prepared, uh, and you can just, in the meantime, you go going about living your life, enjoying your family, uh, enjoying your community and you're not uh, you know, one of these, um, uh, you know, raving lunatic um, uh, survivalists out there, they're saying the, the world's coming to the end. Our Heavenly Father is not fooled by anything that's going on. He knows when the next natural disaster and or man-made disaster is going to take place. And he wants us to be aware of these things, but never be in fear of these things. And being prepared leaves you fearless.
8: I, I, several years ago, there were t-shirts that said, no fear.
0: I remember that. I, rem-
8: <laughs> I think I had one, but, uh, uh, yeah. And that's what we're talking about. We take the fear out of the unknown.
0: Absolutely. By
8: being prepared.
0: Absolutely. And,
8: and, it's, and it's biblical. God commands us to do that anyway.
0: Sure. You know, that's, that's just it. We're commanded to be prepared. We're, we're commanded to, uh, be here, do what he has called us to do in any situation that we find ourselves in. And it's kind of simple once you boil it down to those points. Scott and Kelly, y'all got anything you want to chime in with?
7: I do, actually. I think that a lot of times fear or the fear of the unknown is what prevents people from even cracking the door open to think about preparedness or even begin moving into it. And we actually find that a lot of people who do take the course, you know, after the first session, They have all these thoughts and emotions and questions swirling, which, you know, is a little frightening. And people are like, "Um, I'm a little upset. But then inevitably, the testimony we hear over and over is by the third session, how much of a greater peace and a confidence they have. Number one, because they're actually preparing. They're taking steps towards getting their home and family solid and prepared. And then, in addition to that, they've been digging into the Scripture and hearing what the Lord says about His commitment to prepare us and to lead us in exactly what to do. And it brings great peace and great confidence. And so, while it is a little bit unnerving to, you know, begin this journey, it's totally worth it.
1: Well, Canada, it's Jared here. Uh We've had a friend on the show in the past that's talked about the uh – uh the panic side of things that comes into play when people aren't prepared to mentally deal with catastrophe. And one of the things that I, I love that he, he talked about was he put it very simply is people never rise above the level of their training. They always rise to it. So if a person has no training and has never spent any time thinking about these things, typically the, the default setting is, is panic, which usually leads <laughs> to bad decisions. Um, Usually the panic gets people in more, more, more trouble than anything else. And, you know, just the simple fact that people would sit down and start going through this workbook allows them to work through these hypothetical situations in their head. And if such a situation should arise, God forbid, they're more apt to be able to handle it in a not panicky state, but a much more logical and rational state. And it's those those default settings that are animalistic and carnal. They just, they don't serve us well. And it just, you know, right. people are a lot better off when they can take time to think about these things beforehand so that when situations do arise, you know, you're you're better qualified to deal with it. And I think it's fantastic.
7: Great. Yes, we even have specific questions um, during our group time, our discussing questions um, that make you practice out loud, if a stranger comes to your door and asks, help what are you going to say like really dialing in the thoughts and then practicing it out loud practicing the strategies and the plans that you've made is very very important and we agree i think what you said is right on
0: well and it's some things are just simple when we did experience a citywide wide pirate here several months ago You know, the first thing that happened, I reached over to the drawer by where I was sitting and pulled out a flashlight. So immediately we had light because we knew where a flashlight was at. My wife went and got the lighter and started lighting the candles that are around the house. And all of a sudden we had lights in the house. We went outside, though, to check and see if this was something that was just on our block or was it all the blocks. And, of course, when we walked outside, the whole city was dark. So we knew it was something major. But what was funny is other people kept, you know, they came outside too and were looking to see what was happening, and they all kind of, you know, kind of made their way to our house because we had lights. (laughs) You know, we were the only house in the neighborhood that actually had lights. And in talking to the people, they said, "Well, you know, we've got a flashlight, but we couldn't find it, and we couldn't find the candles, or or we couldn't do this." It was a real wake-up call for my wife and I, but also for our neighbors. That they couldn't even provide a simple light in their house during a power outage. And that's what we want to, you know, get to here. One of the things we want to get to here and get being prepared is, as you said, Scott earlier, that have flashlights, have them scattered around the house that so no matter where you're at, you can turn one on. You can even get these little uh, lights that plug into your outlet that are, that are battery backups. That during a power outage, they actually come on. You don't even have to hunt for a light and they're inexpensive. Uh, just simple things like this can help you in the beginnings of a crisis at least keep things calm.
1: I actually saw those for the first time at Costco the other day. They were, you get like two of them for like $18. I mean, then they were good quality. They had a flashlight that sat in them too. So not only do they kick on and provide light, but you can remove the flashlight from the charger and take that with you. So those are pretty cool.
0: And, you know, the uh, we had a boil water situation after that, if you remember. Yeah, we had them all over Lubbock, uh, you know, boil the water. But during that crisis, we had low water pressure because of pumps. I mean, the city was ill-prepared. That was a wake-up call for them. So, you know, we were able to give our neighbors water, take care of them. We helped some neighbors that had medical needs. They needed uh auxiliary power for a while to run medical devices. We were able to help them set that up so they could keep their medical devices on. But these are just the little things that we forget to think about. That's why we encourage you to come to this meeting tomorrow. Southcrest Baptist Church, 345 p.m. Come and sit down and talk to us about these things. We'll all be there, and we'll be willing to talk with you. But right now, we've got to go to our last break. We've got one more segment when we come back, and so we'll finish this up on the other side. All right, folks, I want to welcome you back for our last session, Kennedy, Scott, Kelly? We got about, uh, like I said, about 15 minutes. Let's start summing this up, getting into the last points we want to make. You know, bring this to a summation. So, who wants to take off with it? Well,
6: I kind of—I've been sitting here thinking about uh, the comments you guys are making and, and some of the questions that have been asked me over the years about preparedness and trying to just hone in on what I could, like uh, I'm guessing here, what might be a question to our listeners and that uh, some of the things that we might be addressing in the preparedness piece that they are like questioning or whatever. One of them is you were talking about is, is about these shelves emptying. Uh, about how we talk about how, you know, even the threat of a, a natural disaster, a thunderstorm, a snowstorm, an ice storm, a tornado, the, the shell's empty quick. And about what it's like as preparedness, to think about preparedness, you think, well, I've got to go out and buy all this stuff to, to put on the shelves. and about, well, isn't that hoarding? Wouldn't that just be hoarding? Well, I had enough question on that to where I looked it up, and I did a word search, and I looked around, and I found out that, actually, hoarding is, by definition, hoarding is gathering in times of need. But preparation is gathering in times of plenty. And so it's important that our preparation is done. That's why there's such a grace on us as a nation right now to, to go ahead and get some of these things in place right now, because it's not hoarding. Hoarding is the situation of gathering it up or getting it when everyone else needs it. Right now, people aren't needing it all, so it's a time of preparation. I think it's an important mindset to have as you go out and get a couple extra cans of whatever, get all these different things. It's not a hoarding mentality at that point. And I just have had that question asked me, and I thought I'd give a little clarity to it, and maybe it'll just bring up... uh uh, uh, some certainty to our program and how we really have thought out a lot of these details.
8: Scott, along that same line, you know, uh, people may think that, well, you know, I'm on a tight budget. I can't afford to, to, to do this uh, preparedness. But you, you, uh, explain that in your book, in the workbook, that when you go to the store, just buy one extra can. You know, just start slow and just build that, uh, and, and over time, Uh, You know, it's not that you have to have this uh, tremendous expenditure all at once to get prepared. It's it's over time. And and uh, that will help you uh, avoid buying some things that that don't work or you don't need, as some of us have done. Uh, And 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 so that that it's it's a just a a, you know, it's one step at a time and it's doing it while we have the, the the plenty and the surplus and the, the availability. Something
9: that's important to keep in mind along those same lines, Lynn, is that, um, is that taking the steps of preparedness is not all about um, an investment. I mean, getting prepared doesn't necessarily mean buying stuff, although, yes, there are things to procure and, you know, to invest in and to start putting away, um, but there's so much of preparedness that doesn't involve spending money at all you know, creating a plan and communicating that to your family, you know, having an evac route in case you have to leave your house or your neighborhood or your city, you know, does everyone know what that is? Having a reunion place um, set up so that if you're in different places in your city when a disaster strikes and you can't make it home, where is everybody meeting? Those things take time, they take intentionality, they take planning, and it doesn't cost money to do that. And it's a huge part of preparedness. So... Um, you know we just and as much as, as a lot of people use that as an excuse we chime right in with well there's a whole lot of things you can do for preparedness that don't cost anything right now so um, and it's usually very motivating to help people um, redirect where they do spend their money because once they start with a plan and they realize the importance of it and they start actually thinking out the reasons they might have to use that plan it helps them to prioritize the necessity of actually uh you know, starting to invest in things.
7: And a lot of times people have the items they need. It's just organizing them. Like the story you told about the flashlights and the power outage, it's it's organizing the items that you do have so that you can use them when you need them.
6: Correct. That is so correct.
7: So I would say the primary benefit of preparedness piece in closure is that, number one, you're doing it in community with other people. So you're building relationships, you have accountability, you have other people that help you continue to stay motivated to prepare, but also that preparedness piece breaks this huge task of preparedness down into step-by-step tasks to actually get it done. So I think that's the, hands down, the unique part of it, because information alone, lots of people have plenty of information about what they need to prepare, what we should do But this breaks it down step
6: by step and actually helps people accomplish preparedness. No, I'm going to chime in right after Canada there was, uh, uh, that is the whole issue here is, is that we are informational junkies out there and we all know about preparedness. We all have the different ideas, especially about our special interests. I mean, I like gear. So I've got all kinds of gear, but I'm not good with plans. So I have my wife who helps me get really good with plans. Now, so it's really, really important that putting all this together, like Kenneth said, that's the hard part, and that's where the burden is lifted if you just go through the preparedness piece.
0: Well, you know, that's where I consider myself blessed, because my wife is a master planner and organizer. Any harebrained ideal that I get in my head, she can take it and organize it and plan it out. And, boy, that that makes life a lot simpler. And in community, you must have those people like Kelly and my wife, Charmin who are able to take the ideal and make it happen and make it seem like a very simple thing. What you said about people already having a lot of the things that they need, say in a go bag or an emergency bag that they keep in their vehicles, uh, something like this, uh, that they have a lot of those items already at their house. Uh, It's not something they have have to go out and buy. That's what we found out years ago uh, when we started putting these type of bags together to keep in our vehicles uh, just in case. And blessedly in all this time, we haven't had to use them, and that's wonderful. But they're there just in case we do, and so we don't worry about it. If we have to jump in the car and go somewhere, we don't worry about something happening uh, to us that we're not prepared for because we are. We just enjoy going that way, <laughs> you know. And and if your household is prepared for a ice storm, uh, natural disaster, It's not something that we give a second thought to. We know that if something like that happens, that our household is prepared to weather it and to be able to help our neighbors in that time of need. And it's just a mindset with us. Uh, It's kind of like being a Boy Scout uh, used to. You know how Boy Scouts were. They were always prepared. Be prepared. And so that's what we need to get back to, and that's all we're talking about here, is getting back to that with the added purpose of being able to minister to those around us.
8: Uh, Benny, let's give the uh, Preparedness Peace website. Uh, people can go Absolutely. on that website and and uh, uh, look at some of the promos and some uh, other information and, and get a, uh, even what we've discussed this morning, but uh, can actually see it.
0: And it's very simple. It is just preparednesspeace.com. You can go there. You can read about uh, Justin and Kennedy Bolin and Scott and Kelly McTiernan. You can see some more videos. Uh, we played a few here today on the air, or tried to anyway. You can see the heart of these of these two couples. Uh, I hope you've been able to hear their heart over the air today. But you can really go to their website and you can see the enthusiasm and the heart they have for the gift that God has given them and for being able to share that. With communities, they're, they are the only community-based disaster trainers that are out there. They do it on a community-based scale. They believe individually and uh, that uh, national crisis is an invitation for all people to encounter God. Uh, you're not going to find that in a lot of your preparedness-based programs out there. They're very highly trained. Uh, they're committed to work together, as you can tell today, in listening to them in that preparation and training for personal and national disasters. So, listening on us, you have an opportunity here at no cost to yourself, uh, to just a little gas to get there tomorrow, to come out and be with us tomorrow and be a part of this. Canada, Scott, Kelly, pick it up there and, and tell the folks uh, in the last five minutes that we have here what's on your heart about and the need for them to come out tomorrow.
4: Okay, well,
6: I, I really... Uh, I- you guys speak strong words, and, I, and I'm totally in total agreement with how you're approaching this. And I really think that the the I think it's just awesome what you're doing as far as putting this together for your community. I love it. And 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 as in so much as you may be in a conservative area where um, uh, you don't have a lot of uh, disasters, you don't have a lot of threat right at hand. Uh, it's going to happen. That's the grace of the Lord right now in this time for you to get prepared so that you can have fully equipped body of Christ to be able to minister to others, be able to help. I mean, you cannot even begin to try to help somebody if you're in need. It's 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 something that we need to develop as a lifestyle. It's something we not need to... You talked about Y2K and, and how we just... Uh, that was an event. Boy, did we start preparing for it. And it was all about this one event. And yes, it was great that we got a lot of stuff in place for that one event, But it was almost a disappointment it didn't happen because we didn't use the stuff that we've got. That's not the mindset we want to create here. We want to create a lifestyle. We want to create a mindset like you talked about, just a paradigm where we think about everything in a preparedness uh in a preparedness way to keep our family safe, to be able to uh be able to continue on, you know, and and ultimately to bring others to Christ.
7: And I'd like to close by saying that people are being being invited Yes, to get prepared personally, but also to build relationships with the greater body of Christ and the community of Lubbock, and ultimately to partner with God with what he wants to do in your region. And so the invitation is so much greater than just for selves and personal preparedness. And so this would commission people to come and to join in with what God's doing in your city and have great expectations for him to encounter you in the place of imperfect in the place of preparedness, and also in this place of unity,
0: um, which God loves. Boy, I couldn't agree more. Lynn, get belly up there to the mic, and let's give out the location, the time, one more time, in case people are just now tuning in.
8: Uh, once again, uh, tomorrow afternoon at 345 at South Chris Baptist Church, which is located on the South Loop in the corner of Memphis. That's just uh, our, our parking lot uh, adjoins the IHOP so it's real easy to find 345 in the gym park on the north side uh, which faces the loop come into the building there will be signs uh, there in the hallway directing you to the gym uh, we'll be there for two hours uh, it's free no cost no obligation uh, you'll leave there with some information some handouts uh, from the preparedness piece uh, course and uh, we just want you to to come and, and see what it's all about uh, then beginning on the following sunday jan uh, January the 12th, again at uh, 345, we will uh, begin uh, Session 1 and then continue on each week uh, until the course is completed.
0: Scott, Kelly, Canada, God bless you. Thank you so much for the work that you do, and thank you for being so willing to be with us today and share with our audience the importance of uh, the work that you do. And the importance of that work being started here. So I just thank you, and uh, you know, God bless you for being here.
6: You're welcome.
9: Thank you for having thank us. you. It's yeah. been a pleasure.
0: Yes. Well, we look forward. Okay. We look forward to having you back as we get into this. I hope you guys will agree to come back as we get into this course. Hopefully, we can have some uh, testimony from some of the people that are going through it, and we can have another conversation just like we've been having today.
6: That'd be great. Well, well, who knows, Ben? We may just take a little trip to Lubbock ourselves. <laughs> well,
0: you know, you guys got a place to stay if you want to come down here. <laughs> or up here in Canada's, uh, you know, situation. We're north of her, south of you. so. Sure, <laughs>
9: Thanks again. We look forward to the good report and the yes. um, testimony that you'll have of uh, many other churches coming on board and doing the same thing and, and actually watching uh, um, Lubbock turn into the um, Preparedness Mecca.
0: Oh, amen. That would be such a blessing. Jared, you got any parting comments?
1: No, I just really appreciated you guys being on the show. And uh, I just hope everybody out there really pays heed to the wisdom that's being offered here. Uh, it's not costing anything. So just take notes.
0: That's right. Yeah. Lynn, any parting comments? All right. You, you started to say something.
1: I'm
8: just going, <laughs> uh, I just want to thank Benny and the radio station for just uh, what they've, they've done. Uh, over the months, just to, to uh, bring this about, uh, you know, it, it all started with hearing uh, uh, about preparedness piece on this radio program. And uh, and so tomorrow we we kick it off.
0: We kick it off begin beginning. That's I'm I'm excited. Well, folks, until next week, be safe. But by all means, be prepared. We'll see you next week.
11: back as liberty weeps our forefathers spin in their graves pray God will bless some way out of this mess we must take the miracle back